0: I'll never stop singing your praise I give you my worship I give you my worship you still deserve it you still deserve it you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my song I pour out your praises I pour out your praises in blessing and breaking in blessing and breaking you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my song sing that again I give you my worship you still deserve it you're worthy you're worthy You're worthy of my song. I pour out your praises in blessing and breaking. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my song. Sing, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus. Jesus, you're worthy of my song. You're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus you're worthy of my song you're worthy you're worthy Jesus you're worthy of my song you're worthy you're worthy You are worthy of it all You're worthy of it all You are worthy of it all for from you are all things For from you are all things, and to you, and to you are all things, you deserve the glory. Sing that again. You're worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. all. For from you are all things. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. One more time. You're worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Give him glory this morning. He is great. Thank you, Lord. You
1: are so good to us.
2: God he is glorious and mighty Hallelujah. and I love him amen. Praise ye the Lord. Glory. God is so good. I thank you, lovely Lord. Praise his name, praise his name, praise his name. Hallelujah. Our pastor almost got to be sort of like a like some of us males. When she said almost mindless. Almost mine. <laughs> oh, I, I find myself like that a, a lot. Almost mine. <laughs> and my wife even said to me this morning, on the way to church, "Well, you've got by not thinking for seventy-two years, so I, I guess a few more years." <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know if we get to choose our job the last Wednesday of the month of May, but if we can choose our jobs, I think Tony and myself want to supervise Brother Mike and Brother Mike washing windows. If we can choose, (laughs) praise God, I'm looking forward to it. Guys, are y'all ready, Brother Mike? Brother Mike, y'all ready? So that Tony and myself, we can supervise and make sure it's done well. Yesterday, I saw one of those cards that we have back in the back. Praise God, you're using some of the cards. Use them again and again and again and again, because the money that you pay for that buys a Bible. And you can have it in somebody else's name and honor uh, and whatever all. Praise God, it's just wonderful. Thank you for using them. And then this is right by where you study, read your Bible. It's our mission on one side, our vision on the other. Praise God, I feel good in my sanctified soul. And I'd tell you this morning, Sister Julie, this is good. Now, uh, 1914 of Psalm is a verse that we've quoted much in here, I've recited much in here. And that is, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, my strength, my redeemer. He is my strength. He is my redeemer. And Lord, just watch, put a guard and a watchman and make sure what comes in and out and what I meditate on is. But can I tell you, Sister Julie, in that same chapter, there's a lot of good stuff in chapter 19 of Psalm. A lot of good stuff. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. I love Him. There's no way that I could give God His due. No way. Oh, He is worthy. He is worthy. He is wor- How much He has blessed me. But Ken, I'll tell you, He has been good me he has given me strength when I needed it and I've said this before I say it again it's almost like the puzzle piece that is missing whether it's pain or discomfort if it's struggling if it's sickness whatever it might be the Lord puts that piece of puzzle whoo <laughs> somebody jump over the church with the preacher hallelujah because when he puts that peace in there, everything's okay. He's done it again and again for me. If somebody else may be similar to that, and you'll brag on the Lord Jesus Christ a moment this morning, give him praise, would you? Amen. An individual here. Praise God. Ha. <laughs> the Lord. Brother Mike Hager, God is good, isn't he? Yeah, thank you. God, can't express it enough. All right, Sister Joy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he mm, he is good, isn't he? He is good. And then in Psalm 47, I can't do much of it, but I'm going to do it because, you know, uh, just because. I remember having bone spurs and when we had the choir I'd stand just because. You know the bone spurs. The devil you ain't going to get the best and I, I'm clapping ain't my, my forte right now but I'll tell you 47 and 1 uh, of Psalm Oh clap your hands Oh clap your hands up unto the Lord. Give him praise that is due unto him. Hallelujah he is a good God Praise the Lord, He is good. Praise I thank you, Lord. I thank you, you. Glory, Good morning and welcome to the Cornelius Church of God. We're glad to have all of you with us this morning. It's time to receive our tithe and offering if our usherette will come and take up our offering this morning. I think Brother Bick was here and then I think... He had to leave. So. Brother Jorner, will you say the blessing, please? Praise the Lord. Thank you for.
3: to take up our prayer requests, we've experienced a few technical difficulties this morning and they are aggravating in life but you know there's no technical difficulties between our communication to God unless it's on our part and we can quickly make that right by repenting and if there's something we need to go and make right so that our prayers are heard that power lies within us are there any requests on this side Miss Judith? Yes. And let's remember Miss Judith's family and our nation. There's a lot going on that we don't know about, but God knows all about it. Any others on this side? Jennifer. Let's remember Shane, Gretchen. Okay, let's remember Buster. Pop pops back, and one of Gretchen's friends at that school.
2: Okay, any on
3: this side? Vicky. Let's remember Martin. He's on his way back home. Let's remember Brother Mike Hager's wife and family. And remember Kim and Jason this morning. Kim was getting ready to come to church this morning, and she wasn't feeling well. She will occasionally have incidents where she'll pass out. They've never really determined what's causing it, and that's what happened this morning. So. Just remember that. Okay? Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, thank you for this name. Thank you for your many blessings. Father, I love you and I praise you and I thank you, God, for all that you've done and all that you're going to do, Father. Lord, you heard each and every day given in this morning. You know each heart, Father, that expressed a request to you, Father. Lord, touch each other, every one. Father, touch grandchildren's freedom from school. God, what the mercy of
4: from the
3: Father's Father, bring me for shame. Oh, Lord, school if you done. knew me then,
4: would you believe me now? Oh, you turned turn my whole life upside down. Father, touch Martin. Father, the and he may um, help him on the rest of his journey. Father, That's just God. what the mercy of God father, Jesus. can do. When my be Even when my bones are tired, you're my strength and my heart's desire. You're the light when the sun expires. Rising <gasps> from my heart, everything comes alive. ever
1: Lord, help us <laughs> this morning. <laughs> uh, we are glad that you are here again. If you're online and watching us, we are glad that you are with us. You've been, um, it's cut off a few times apparently, and but if you came back, thanks. We appreciate <laughs> we appreciate that, your uh, patience with us. You know, it's just, um, you never know. Some days it is perfect and it works great, and then some days, it's it's kind of like at, uh, at school, you know, when I was at. When I was working for MGSD, their big thing is technology, and it was great. It was so wonderful, and the kids had their own laptops, or they, if they were younger, they had their own iPads, and it was just fantastic until, you know, the weather was weird, and, and the internet wouldn't work, and then they actually had to use paper and pencils, and oh my golly, who can imagine? So we are glad for technology when it works. Uh, so I did not mention, because I was going to mention now that the month of May, the month of May, our focus is study. Now, I don't know about you. Do you ever, you, you don't have to raise your hand or if you want to raise your hand, you can Do you ever have a, any difficulty in your study? Sometimes, you know, you're reading God's Word and just like, what is, what is this all about? We are going to be talking about study. Now, that's not what the message specifically is about. We're going to be in health and wellness. But I do want to take just a couple of minutes. Um, Today, I will probably take a couple of minutes uh, the rest of the month of May just to make mention of a few things. Also, if you get our newsletter, there will be things posted in our newsletter about study. About ways to increase our understanding as we study God's Word, there will be resources on our bless you. <laughs> there'll be resources on our church website that uh, starting tomorrow that you will be able to have resources about study. Some some different books that are great, great, great books to help you with your study. Some devotionals that will help. Different things. There's some websites. There's um there the there are a couple of websites. If y'all are not watching The Chosen, y'all need to because it will, <laughs> yes, because it will open up things in God's Word that you just didn't, you didn't even realize it comes alive. What on earth? This is, I've never understood this before until right now. And even, even I was, I mean, I've been doing this for years and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And, um, and the, if y'all remember, we watched a video on Easter uh, I'm gonna, we're posting that website because there are lots of different little videos like that that explain different books of the Bible, and it really will help you to study and open up. But I want to make mention, just to begin, that the Bible is like a bookstore, okay? The Bible is like a bookstore. Now, if you go into a bookstore... There will be lots of different sections that you can go to depending on what kind of book you want to read. And the Bible is the same way. So there are 66 books of the Bible. There is an Old Testament portion, which was written, well, well, the whole thing was written thousands of years ago, but it was written over a span of a couple thousand years. And then there is the New Testament, which... Is only twenty-seven books and it was written within the span of about a hundred years. Okay? So the it's a much shorter time span, it's much more packed full of information. So the divisions of if you're if you're interested at all, and if you are not taking notes, then that's fine, you can go back and watch it. But the divisions, the the sections that are in the bookstore of the Bible, the first five books are the law. It's called the Torah, T-O-R-A-H, Torah. It's the law. It was all written by Moses. It is about the laws of God. Okay? So it is the, the law that God gave specifically to Moses, but it's also talking about the laws that were given to Abraham, the, uh, the covenant that God made with Abraham to say, you are my people and all your descendants are going to be my people. Then... The books after that, so it's judges, which we were in last week. Uh, Joshua judges, Ruth first and Second Samuel, first and second Kings, um, Chronicles, uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. those are the historical books, okay. So those books of history are going to tell you about the history of God's people from the time that they crossed over into the promised land until the time that they were exiled, they had sinned so much, they were exiled, and then they came back. So you're going to see the history of the children of Israel through that. Then there are books of poetry. Now poetry does not have to rhyme, it just has to make you think. So those books of poetry are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And if you'll notice, the way that they're lined up is by division. Okay, it's not by chronological. It's not, it happened in this particular order. It's just this is the section that you are in. Okay, so as you read those five books, it's going to be poetic language. You're going to see lots of figurative language. You're going to learn about, also, if you're in the Psalms, you're learning about, about the praise and the, the glory given to God. If you're in the Proverbs, then you're learning about wisdom. In uh, Ecclesiastes, wisdom as well. In Song of Solomon, you're learning about Love between a husband and a wife. So you're seeing these types of, this type of genre. Then there are the books of prophecy. That's everything at the end. Now, that is Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Now, those are known as the, and I know this is a lot of information, (laughs) those are known as the major prophets. The reason they're the major prophets is because they are longer. The books are longer. Not because they're more important. It's just because they have longer books. Then the rest of them are minor prophets. Again, their message is just as important, but they are shorter books. They're written to, to one specific nation for one specific time. And so that is the, the remainder of the Old Testament. Then there's a a gap of a—bless you— there's a gap of about 500 years that God was silent. And people didn't really know what was going on. And they were praying for a Messiah, and they had lined back up with the Word of God. They had come back from exile. And their 500 years are just waiting, waiting, like, God, what are you doing? And then the New Testament opens up. So the first four books of the New Testament— are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are the testimony of Jesus. So it is each of those four guys, they had a particular perspective of how they saw what Jesus was doing. So you've got those four, and within them different divisions, but I don't want to get too technical. Then there is a one book of history, and that is Acts. So that is the history of the church from the time that Jesus went back to heaven to after Paul had, had done his third ministry, uh, third missionary journey. So we've got that book of history. After that, we have the Pauline epistles. Paul wrote them, so that's why they're Pauline. Pauline epistles. Those are Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Uh Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, those are ones that he wrote specifically to the church in that place. So if you if you hear of a place, Romans, he wrote to Rome. Corinthians, he wrote to the church in Corinth. Galatians, he wrote to the church of Galatia. Now they would have shared among themselves on the district like if we had if it was the 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 letter to the church of Cornelius, then we would have read it. Yeah, bless our heart. Uh, we would have read the book or um, read the the letter that Paul had sent and then we would maybe pass it on to our neighbor churches in our area. Okay, but it was specifically written for that church area. Then Paul wrote these things called the pastoral epistles. So he's writing to pastors. So first and second Timothy and Titus are all about being a pastor. Like, here's what you do. How, here's how you set up your church. That sort of thing. And then the book of Philemon. He wrote uh, as kind of a, a personal letter to Philemon's very interesting. You need to read that one uh, because he's writing a personal letter to his friend Philemon. His uh, Philemon's servant had had done him wrong and run away, and had come to Paul. He'd run away to Paul. That's odd to me. But ran away to Paul, and Paul is writing this letter to Philemon. I want you to forgive him and take him back. Now, I won't tell you how much you owe me, but we both know, so you need to take him back and be nice to him. And then there are the general epistles. So, Hebrews. (laughs) I look at Dad because he believes that Paul wrote Hebrews. But uh, Hebrews (laughs) <laughs> Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, First, Second, Third John, and Jude. Those are general epistles. So they were written by specific people to uh, to various areas. And then finally, we have a uh, Book of Prophecy, which is Revelation. Okay, I know that that was um, you know that took a few minutes, but maybe it helps a little bit to understand that as you go into the Bible, you are going into a bookstore. Okay, I need to, I know that these particular books are going to be about this particular genre. So, some of these things were overlapping. These were happening at the same time. So, again, it's not chronological. But today, and again, we'll we'll talk a whole lot more about study because I I really enjoy studying. I do. It just does my heart good. But today, uh, we're talking about health and wellness. So, An important key to emotional, relational, spiritual health and wellness is to create and maintain boundaries. talked about that last week. That we need to align our values with God's. That we need to understand the value of what we're protecting. And that if someone disrespects the boundary, they are the problem. If you set up boundaries and you've been very clear about what your boundaries are, then if someone disrespects them, they're the issue. Like, I have said what I will accept, what I won't accept, I can only control myself, so if you step over my boundary, you are the problem. So, it would seem as though we're learning about how to be healthy in difficult relationships. Loving our enemies and setting boundaries. Today, next week too, it's going to be, next week's great, you need to be here, listen to the word of the Lord. But today we're going to be talking about rivalry that is competition for the same objective or for superiority in the same field. Rivalry. The tale is old as time. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 27. And here we are going to see the grandsons of the patriarch Abraham. They are Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau were twins. And they were the only children of Isaac and Rebekah. So Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac was the child of promise. And God said, I'm going to bless you through Isaac. So Isaac had two children, these twin boys. And from within the womb of their mother, they began to fight. She felt them fighting one another. She had been barren for a number of years and and Isaac called out to the Lord on her behalf Lord please allow her to have children and she was blessed able to have children but as she was as she was going through this process they began to fight within her woman she called upon the Lord Lord what is going on here why are these children acting this way is there something wrong with them what's what's the deal and God replied to her and He told her that the two of them would become two nations and that the older would serve the younger. Now, when they were born, Esau was born first. He was a hairy little guy, and he was very red, ruddy, as he was covered in in hair when he came out. And his younger brother was holding on to his heel as they were being born. So he got the name Heel grabber. Jacob. Supplanter. Deceiver. So for his entire life this was his label. Now Esau was named Esau because he was red. So it was you know that, that was his label because of the way he looked. But Jacob was named this because of how he acted. He was grabbing at the heel. He was always trying to trip somebody up. So his entire life this is what he was called. As they grew up they present very different personalities. Esau loves the outdoors, hunting, fishing, loving every day. <laughs> Thank you for anyone. Who, you know it's summertime like I said last week. It, I mean it's getting it's getting warmer. I got to start listening to country music. Um just anyway. Uh, he's rugged, manly, hairy. And then Jacob, the Bible says, was a plain man. When we think about plain, we think one thing. I think one thing. But according to the Hebrew, plain means complete, perfect, lacking in nothing, physically strong and beautiful. This is the same word that was used of Job. Have you considered my servant Job? He is perfect and upright. The same word. So Jacob was a, the pinnacle of beauty. But he enjoyed cooking and more like what you'd call indoors. Jacob's my kind of person. You know, he's inside reading, hanging out with his mom. So Isaac loved Esau. That's my boy out there hunting and fishing. Yes, that's my boy. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Oh, my sweet little baby. He was the mama's boy. And this favoritism we see has continued. Because Abraham had two sons and he had to send one away. So Isaac was shown favoritism because he was the child of promise. So Isaac grew up with this idea of, I'm I'm the favorite. I am the one. And as the two boys grew up, Rebecca had her favorite, and Isaac had his favorite. We see later on this same issue occur in the life of Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, and he has one favorite son so this idea of favoritism has, has continued generationally even before they were born the two of them were struggling and fighting and now that they were grown they had been set up for rivalry their parents had set them up as well they didn't learn to appreciate each other's gifting they were very different one had strengths in one area outdoorsy stuff you know killing animals being you know out in the fields doing that sort of thing the other had strengths in cooking he looked after uh, the sheep but being a, a sheep herder is different than going out and hunting it's just a different personality type but each of them had different things that they should have appreciated about the other one, but instead they were taught to be jealous of one another. Each desiring love and acceptance that they had not received. Now Jacob knew that he had no rightful claim to the larger inheritance and two children were born. The oldest son was the one who would inherit the the majority of his father's wealth. And even though He was born right after his brother, and he was born hanging on to the heel of his brother. He realized that he did not have any legal right to the larger portion. But that didn't stop him from wanting it. So one day, when Esau was especially hungry, he'd been out there hunting, out in the fields getting hot and sweaty, and he came home, and Jacob was there at the stove cooking red lentil stew. And Esau said, I'm so hungry, I'm going starved." starve. And Jacob said, okay, I'll give you some. But, and just like brothers, I mean, we hear this and we're, oh, shame on Jacob. But that's, if you have any siblings, you understand how that goes. Fine, I'll give you some of this stew, but you have to do something for me first. What do you want? Well, I want your birthright. I want to inherit the larger portion from Dad. Fine, whatever. And at the time, maybe he wasn't thinking that he was actually going to have to follow through with this. Okay, fine, whatever. Just give me some stew. Because what good is an inheritance if I perish from hunger? So we see Esau very dramatic. In addition to being very manly, he was also very dramatic. I didn't have a lot of perspective. So Esau agreed, and he gave Jacob the birthright, the inheritance. So when the time came for Isaac to bless Esau, a plan began to form. See, in biblical times, a father would give a blessing to his children. When he thought that he was about to pass, or when he got to a certain age, he would say, Come on in, guys. I'm going to give you this blessing. And it was kind of like a last will and testament, but it was also a prophetic uh, blessing on each of the children. We see that later on, Jacob does this to all 12 of his children. So the father would give this blessing. And Isaac, at this point, was blind and ailing. Even though he lived another 40 years past this point that we're about to look at, he said, It's time for me to give my blessing to my son. So he asked for Esau, go out, hunt some wild game. Go out, kill the animals that I like, get get some venison, and then you're going to come in and serve it to me. He asked Esau to serve him before he received the blessing. He said, I want you to go out, get the things that I'm asking for, Serve me and then I'll bless you. <clears throat> but while he was gone, Rebekah and Jacob had heard we, your dad is going to bless your brother, so we got to work quick. They initiated this plan to deceive Isaac and allow Jacob to be blessed in place of his brother. So while Esau was out hunting, Rebekah dressed Jacob in his brother's clothing made a meal that would taste a lot like the venison. They took the the fur from the animal that they had skinned and somehow attached it. I got to thinking, how did they attach it? Because they didn't have glue back then, but it, uh, they somehow attached this fur to his hands and to the back of his neck. And... Rebecca sent him in with a tray of food. Here I am, Father. Bless me. We see in verses 28 and 29 of chapter 27. So he had come in. He was about to be blessed. At first, Esau was like, "What? Are you? Are you sure that you're who you say you are? Come and kiss me. I don't believe you." So he, as he smelled the scent. Of Esau's clothing, and as he felt the hairy neck, hairy arms, he said, oh, okay, of course you're my, of course you're my son. Here's your blessing. Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. So, his father, the blessing that Isaac thought was for Esau. The blessing that Isaac had intended to give to Esau was actually the blessing that God intended for Jacob so he would receive blessings from heaven he said here's the dew you're blessed with the dew of heaven now this dew of heaven lines up with the idea of manna. remember that as the manna came down they said it what is this it was and they said it was like dew and it came directly from heaven. So, what Isaac is saying to Jacob is, you will be blessed with whatever God wants to bless you with. He will pour out upon you, He will look after you and take care of you, and you don't even have to worry about a thing. That's the blessing that you will receive. And he said, and you will receive blessings from the earth. So, not only would God bless him, but the land would be fertile, and he would be blessed. He said, people and nations are going to bow down before you. Your family is even going to bow down before you. If someone blesses you, they're going to receive blessing. But if someone curses you, they're going to receive a curse. This is the blessing that I give to you, my son. And again, in Isaac's mind, he thought, this is, that's what's going to happen for Esau. This is him. Then Jacob left the room, and Esau came home. In verses 30 through 36, it says, And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of a blessing, Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat, and brought it in unto his father, and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, the firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it to me? And I have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? Remember, heel grabber? Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? <sighs> Bitter realization struck when Esau came back. Esau had prepared the food to be eaten, and prepared his mind for a blessing. He's excited. The Lord has, has given me this animal. I'm going to cook it. I'm going to feed it to my dad. I'm going to serve him, and then I'm going to be blessed. And then Esau was came in and realized well, his dad. Said, Who are you? Remember, he was blind at this time, so he couldn't see which son it was. Who are you? I'm Esau, the one that you're supposed to be blessing. Well, no, I already blessed you. You didn't bless me. Yes, I, I. I just blessed a child. I just blessed somebody. It wasn't me, Father. And it said that Isaac, when he realized what has happened, he began to have violent, anxious convulsions. He began to tremble anxiously, worried at what he had just done. And Esau was devastated and begged for a blessing from his father. And it says that he let out a loud, vehement shriek. Again, a little dramatic. But he let out this scream when he realized that his brother had come in and been blessed in his place. He laid all the blame, you'll notice, upon his brother. He has planted me two times. He took me by the heel these two times. He took away my birthright and now he's taken away my blessing. Yet he never acknowledged his role in giving away his birthright years earlier. He just kept blaming someone else for his issues. Verses 37 through 40. And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord. And all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine I have sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said unto him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off the neck. So Isaac explains that he had proclaimed blessings already upon Jacob. All the relatives of Jacob, including Esau, would be his servants. Corn, which in the Hebrew, the implication is increase. And wine, the implication here is freshness and possession. All these things will sustain him. And now, what's left to bless you with, Esau? Not a thing. I've given him all the blessings. All the great stuff is going to belong to him. I, I have nothing with which to bless you. Which begs the question, why is it if that was the prophetic blessing that he was planning to give to Esau, why would he not have left any type of prophetic blessing for his son Jacob? Why is it that he wanted Esau to have every bit of every good thing, and he wanted Jacob to have nothing? But God knew. So, in this case, he says, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew from heaven. But in the the original text, the idea here is that he would live away from those things. That he would not be able to be as blessed. That he would not receive the dew from heaven or the fat of the land, that he would really struggle to receive those blessings. You see that a reverse order is given here, that the the land is mentioned first and heaven is mentioned second, which is the reverse order of, of the blessing of Jacob. It says that he would live by the sword, he would have to fight for everything he had, and that he would have to bless his brother, that he would serve his brother. But on the day that he had dominion, he would break the yoke of Jacob. Now, this is an interesting word. It's only used four times in the Old Testament, and it means to wander or to be restless. He said, you're going to wander around, and you're going to be restless until you decide to break the yoke. So when he decided that he was tired of living in competition with his brother, that he would have the power to break the yoke. Rivalry not required. This story has plenty of symbolism for the children of Israel and those who became their enemies. We understand that, that the descendants of Jacob became what we know now as Israel and the dece- the descendants of Esau became the Edomites. So they were, they fought against each other frequently. However, this is first a story about two brothers who found it difficult to get along. And again, if you have siblings, maybe you know, you understand a little bit. So what can we learn that will help us combat rivalry within our relationships? We understand first that rivalry is the enemy's answer to unity. In the Psalms, we we learn that it's good and pleasant For brethren to dwell together in unity. On the day of Pentecost, they were all in one mind, in one accord. Unity is important to God. The church is one body. We each have different parts. We understand that God is three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but He is one. So unity is important to God. So any time that there is disunity... Anytime that there is rivalry, that is the enemy trying to creep in because the enemy will always try to do the opposite of what God says is right. If we see things that are the opposite of what God's Word says happening in this world right now, we can understand that it's the enemy doing it because he wants to do everything he can to destroy what God has said is right. So within this particular family, the enemy had sown discord and disunity. The parents each had a favorite child. Now, I'm, I'm glad my siblings are not here today. Maybe they're not watching. My parents have a favorite child too, but they, they each have the same favorite. So it's okay. That's fine. <laughs> um, there's no reason to deny it, okay? No reason for any of my siblings who end up watching. Y'all know it too. Y'all try to play. Oh well. So, the parents each had a favorite child, which caused rivalry between the brothers, fighting for the attention of the opposite parent. The mother and son relationship was pitted then against the father. They deceived him together. So instead of having a strong bond between Isaac and Rebekah, they allowed their children to come between them. So that Rebekah picked Jacob and his needs and his good over her husband. That's disunity. That's not right. So, rivalry is this way that the enemy will deceive us about the person that we're trying to compete against. If you are actively, by words or actions, or passively, by attitudes, sowing discord that is harmful and sinful sowing discord among the brethren the book of proverbs talks about it that is one of the things that the lord despises to sow discord to get together and talk junk about some oh we're just um we're just giving prayer requests (laughs) no you're trying to make this person loyal to you and against that other person and that is a sin The enemy will try to convince you that the other person is out to get you. As with Esau. It's all their fault that you're not successful. It's all their fault. That's what the enemy will try to do. So disunity. The second thing we see here is that rivalry is unnecessary when you know your worth. Jacob was a homebody, again, reserved, good with animals. We learn later on that he, uh, he helped Laban, his uh, father-in-law. He raised all these animals for him. He was very successful in the way that he was farming. But Esau was an avid hunter. He loved the outdoors. He was passionate, dramatic. They were very unlike each other. They could not have been more different. But neither personality was better than the other. They just had different giftings. But their rivalry had convinced them that what they had to offer was worthless and what their brother had to offer was better. And if I could just be more like him, then I could be more loved and accepted. And I just need to be like that person or that person. I'm comparing myself to someone else and I don't measure up to them. (sighs) Notice that they had to be fake in order to be like each other. If you're trying to be like anyone else, you're being fake. You're not being true to who God made you to be. Jacob was a a smooth-skinned, clean-cut type of guy. He had to put on... Smelly, yucky animal skin to be like his brother. To fake it so that his dad would believe that he was another person. When we try to take on someone else's personality, when we try to say, oh, I need to be like this person or this person or this person to be okay and be good, we're just faking it. Later on, at the end of this chapter and then the next chapter Esau overheard his parents talking to each other now after this whole situation and y'all can read it but after this whole situation Esau got very angry and he said I'm going to murder my brother Okay, it's going to happen I'm going to kill him once my dad dies and then he didn't die (laughs) another 40 years once my dad dies I'm going to kill my brother well Rebecca heard about this and she said honey You need to just move on. You need to go somewhere else so that your brother doesn't kill you. Well, the excuse they gave for sending Jacob away was so that he could find a wife. We don't like these girls around here. We're just so sick of these girls around here, so we need to send him away so he can find a wife. And Esau overheard this, and he had married some local women. He was like, oh, man, my parents are irritated at the fact that I would married these local women. Maybe I should find another wife and please them. So he tried to line up with Jacob. He tried to line up with his brother so that he could win the approval of his parents. So each time that they tried to act like one another, they were faking it. If only they could have understood, or if only they had been told by the important people in their lives that they each had a unique set of gifts that was necessary to the family. Maybe you've never heard this before. I hope you have. If you've been here, you've heard it. You have a unique set of gifts that only you can offer. You don't have to be like anybody else. You don't have to fake it because what God has placed within you is precious and valuable you do not have to be like anyone else to be accepted rejoice in who god has made you to be and rejoice in who god has made others to be you know i can't be like such and such a person i've there's no reason for me to even try cuz if i did i'd be faking it michael asked me last night what would you there he had heard some question on Facebook or something what would you say to your 15 year old self and uh, he asked Shane uh, Shane said uh, he would tell his 15 year old self to invest in Amazon stock which would be great that would've been a great idea if he could go back in time that'd be fine invest in Amazon invest in Google different things and he asked me he said what would you you know what would you tell your 15 year old self and i said that for a second, what would I tell my fi- I would tell my 15 year old self be yourself I'd tell 15 year old me, be yourself because for a long time there were people like, mm, you are t- you are too extra <laughs> no way, me you are too much you like to be up front, too much and I believe that and I tried to shrink back some and, and It would have done me a world of good to just be myself. And it'll do all of us a world of good to just be ourselves. Thrive in who God has created us to be. The third thing that we see is that you don't have to beg for a blessing. Jacob felt that he had to trick his father into blessing him. He felt, you know what, my dad doesn't love me. So I'm going to have to trick him into blessing me. I want to be blessed, and I'm going to have to beg for a blessing. But here's the thing. God had already spoken a word over Jacob's life. Before he was ever born, while he was still in the womb, God had spoken over Jacob. Jacob is the one who's going to be blessed. Jacob is the one who is going to thrive over his brother. The two of them will struggle, but Jacob is the one who will succeed. Esau is going to have to serve him. So God had already spoken that blessing. Also, Esau had already relinquished his birthright to Jacob years earlier. So by rights, with the agreement, Jacob had the right to the blessing now. To the inheritance now. So there was no reason for him to have to go to his father and deceive and beg for a blessing. It was his. We understand this as well in the way that Isaac blessed him, not even knowing it was him as he came into his father. Not even Isaac not even realizing it was him, he blessed him with the blessing that God had spoken over him. You will be blessed going in, blessed coming out. Everyone who blesses, you will be blessed. Everyone who curses, you will be cursed. You are going to have the dew of heaven that God will provide for you and anything that you need. And you are even going to have the blessing of the land that it's going to prosper under your care. He didn't realize. Isaac didn't realize that he was speaking prophetically over the child that God had chosen. So it was even before he was born there was a blessing on his life. He didn't have to beg for it. Then we see that Esau, upon learning of his brother's trick, became distraught and blamed Jacob for his issues. He screamed and cried and begged for a blessing from his father. Isaac didn't have one for him. But that is not the case with our Heavenly Father. God has plenty of blessings for all of us. Two people can be blessed simultaneously. Each one of us sitting right here, every person watching online, you can be blessed. Each and every one of us can receive from God at the same time because that is God is that big, God is that great. Me being blessed, me doing well, me experiencing miracles does not negate anyone else receiving a blessing from the Lord. Because we have been conditioned to competition, conditioned to rivalry, oftentimes we see other people being blessed and say, well, I don't even know why they deserve that. Well, they may not, but that's not up to us to decide. I can't I can't believe they're getting all this good from the Lord. Doesn't the Lord know about them? He does. He does. We cannot blame we cannot blame the place that we are in on someone else getting. We receive blessings at different times. We each go through trials at different times. We are in the valley times that other people are on the mountaintop. But when we make it up to the mountaintop, there are other people down in the valley. So it's not anyone else's fault. It's just the ups and downs of life that occur. We each have breakthroughs differently at different times. When I'm teaching and I, I do that uh, every January, February. And it's with middle school kids. And if any of you know middle school kids, bless their hearts. They are some, uh, they are some of the most difficult children. Um... <laughs> Bless them. Those who choose to be middle school teachers, pray for them. Okay, because middle schoolers are are really tough because they're coming out of that that young sweet phase and they're they've got a lot of hormones going on and they're before before they get to the little more mature high school phase, they're just awful. Anyway, but they're in constant competition one with another, and oftentimes they will. Say things to cut each other down, and so one of the things that we talk about in our cotillion is uh, is social media. And I'll tell them, don't post things on someone. Don't don't tell people that they're ugly or whatever. You know, don't don't post these things. That's mean. That's hateful. Don't do that. Because here's the thing, and I'll find I'll find one one young lady who's who maybe has, you know, olive skin and long dark hair and brown eyes. And I'll say, you know what? You're beautiful. You are absolutely just stunning. And, of course, she's all, oh, thank you, thank you. And, you know, some of the kids are looking at her like, yeah, whatever. And then I'll find another girl who has long blonde hair and blue eyes and fair skin. And I'll say, and you are beautiful, too. But your beauty doesn't negate your beauty. Just because this girl is beautiful doesn't mean, oh, all of a sudden this girl's not beautiful. And we have to understand the same concept, that just because one person is blessed doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. Just because one person is getting some attention doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. We are all precious in God's sight, and we do not have to beg him bless us so there is no room for rivalry among God's children rivalry is a distraction it it puts our eyes on a person and takes them off of God it puts our eyes you know we, we look at uh, you know as, as you drove by I don't know what churches you drove by but like, oh look at them what are they doing you watch um, Elevation online or, or, you know, whatever church you enjoy watching online. Oh, look at them, how big they are. But we're not in competition. There's no rivalry because we belong to God. We are part of God's family all together. Rivalry makes you think that you should compete with someone that God wants you to lift up. God wants you to pray for them, to bless them, to be happy for them. So how can we overcome rivalry? We have to remember that rivalry is the enemy's answer to unity, that rivalry is unnecessary when you know your worth, and that you do not have to beg for a blessing because God is a good father. He's a good father who loves us and sees the value in each of us. He is so good as the music plays and as you examine your heart I know and this may, be, this may not be for anybody here maybe for people online, maybe for me who knows but just ask that God would allow his message to sink deep within your heart to realize your own personal worth Heavenly Father we thank you you are so good God you are so good You are a good Father. God, we understand that we can turn to you. And that we can rely on you. That any time we call, you are there and you hear us and you are glad to be embracing us. That you are glad to be with us. That you want us to, to call out to you. Father, God, I pray right now for each and every person who has ever struggled with the idea of rivalry, the idea that they have to fake it to be acceptable. God, I pray that you would take that thought away in Jesus' name. God, that you would make us unified. Father, if we have ever engaged in rivalry, I pray you would forgive us. Forgive me. God, forgive me for for striving, for having that competitive spirit. That's That's not what you want from me. God, you want me to lift up all those around me, to give them encouragement and strength through your word. Father, I just pray that you would help us to recognize that when we put our eyes on someone else, we we are taking our eyes off of you, and we don't want to do that, God. We want to look to you because you are great. God, I pray that you would begin to work in each life, that they would begin to see, to recognize the gifts that you have put within them. God, that there may be some who are, who are gifted speakers, gifted singers. God, that there are some who are, who are gifted with energy and gifted to witness to people. That there are some who are, who are gifted to be givers. That there are some who are gifted in ways that we're not. And so each one of us is important to the body of Christ. That there is no one who is better than another. God, place that within our spirits to understand we do not need to be in competition. Father, I just ask that you would create a sense within us that we would trust you and hold on to you and love you and understand that you bless us. That we don't have to beg for it, but by virtue of the fact that we are your children, that you bless by virtue of the fact that you sent your son to die for us, that we have been blessed. That you are doing a great work within us. And even when we can't see it, you're working. Even when we can't feel it, you're working. You're doing great things. God, change us. Change us, Father. Do a work in our hearts. Help us to honor you. God, and we just lay aside any rivalry. We lay aside rivalry and we accept the blessing of our Heavenly Father right now. we give you glory and honor and praise for all that you do and all that you are. You are great. You are great and greatly to be praised. And Father, now we say over your people, may Yahweh bless you and keep you. May Yahweh make his face to shine upon you. May Yahweh be gracious to you and give you his peace. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.